welcome to Koshian Cast, where even if we're on opposite sides of the bracket, we're sure to meet up in the finals. My name is Matt, and joining me today is a special guest, Matt. Well, you warned me. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> the best joke, but it was almost a joke. It was a reference, yes. Yeah, that happened in a show. Uh, you know what else happened? Uh, the third week of the fall anime season, between... Oh. October 15th and 21st, uh, and we're going to talk about every sports anime that aired in there, and one that didn't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is always weird that we ch- we say every anime that aired and then also throw in big wind-up. Yeah, well, you know, if, you've, if you're with us this far, you've come to expect that, I suppose. I mean, it's really just every sports anime we have watched within that week. Well, yeah, but we do watch all the ones that are airing, and one sure. more. Um... So anyway, uh, Matt, do you have a question for me? I do. I have one. Uh, it's for me. Okay. Uh, so I was just curious, Matt. Um, what's your favorite lawn chore? Oh, wow. I have a great answer to this. Um, oh, interesting. Because I actually did it for the first time this weekend. I was raking leaves. Oh. Any, uh, any particular reason why? I don't know. I think... Typically, I compare it to, like, mowing the lawn, because that's my most common lawn chore. Naturally. Um, We don't have much of a garden to speak of. I think if I was gardening, I'd probably prefer that. Um, But because of that, um, I think I like raking leaves just because I so actively dislike mowing the lawn. Uh, Since it's, like, smelly and noisy... (laughs) <laughs> and it's like, you have to take a shower right after, and kind of sucks. So by comparison, like, raking leaves, it really feels like you're doing something, you know, that it's sort of quiet and pleasant, and, you know, you build your little piles, and then you can funnel your piles into your yard waste. and It's kind of zen, is what you're kind of describing. It is. It feels a lot less violent and brutish. That's fair. Uh, what about you? What's your favorite lawn chore? Uh, I personally like to pull weeds. I knew actually. it. I, I could have said that. I've known that for years. <laughs> uh, I largely just because, uh, though maybe for different reasons than you might expect, I just like pulling weeds because it gives me an opportunity to sit down and I generally just throw on something on YouTube and listen to it while I do it. Kind of gives me a moment to kind of catch up when I'm missing out on uh, within the YouTube world. Wait, sit. Wait, how are you sitting like? Weeds are probably in more than one location, right? Yeah, but I, I move around. Like, I, like, okay, so here's the thing, because I do some weeding for my mother because she's getting up there in her years and she can't really bend down like she used to. And her garden is, like, infested with weeds. So, honestly, I can just kind of sit down in an area for about, like, 15, 20 minutes without even having to move my position. Wow. Uh, it sounds like it's not much of a garden. It's mostly just a collection of weeds. It kind of is, but I, you know, I try my best. Yeah. Hey, speaking of weeds, do you want to talk about Kyoko clinging to Goto like a thistle and March comes in like a lion? Wow. I, that, <laughs> the, I'm sure you thought that was a transition when you said it, but that was a stretch. Uh, nonetheless, here we go. Alright, so March comes in like a lion, episode 24. It starts off... Um, with uh, the observation of Soya's uh, tournament, this is sort of uh, a big, big focus of the episode because uh, Soya and Kumakura 
are in the last match of uh, their tournament. And so all the main characters are basically gathering around to watch and figure out exactly what Soya's doing. Um, Goto ends up watching with them, and Ray's not sure how to feel about it because uh, he already has this background of Goto being a jerk to his sister. But also Goto ends up defending Shimada's honor because apparently Shimada's been on something of a losing streak recently. Um, by the end of the match, Soya manages to get a checkmate in a way that no one can predict. It becomes clear that he's still on a different level. Um, and uh, Kumakura eventually swears that he wants to come back. He tries to play it cool, but he uh, slyly kicks a hole in the wall of his room out of anger. Uh, the episode sort of ends with a focus on Goto, who leaves the uh, shogi hall with Ray's sister. Um, he ends up seeing uh, his wife in a coma, and then when he gets back to his apartment, Ray's sister sneaks in, and uh, he ends up falling asleep uh, but she sits up with him. Right. So, I, I'm i a little conflicted about this episode. Um, so, my, so, when I first watched this episode, my general takeaway from it... I, I was actually really positive about this episode when I first uh, watched it, effectively. Um, so, what I really enjoyed about it was that... You know, we've caught, we've had this constant string of Ray having somebody he doesn't really have a great... Like, you know, he doesn't really know a whole lot about, and he kind of has this sort of lesson mm -hmm. about them. That's been this sort of formula that the show has been setting up. And, you know, it's always that, you know, a lot of these people, you know, they have their own lives. You know, they have something that's, like, kind of shaped them and affected them. You know, and, you know, you know, a lot of the show has been a lot about Ray sort of growing out of his naivete. Um, and so I guess that... So this episode was largely trying to humanize Goto a little bit. Um, just because, you know, we see, like, the reason why Goto is sort of going out with Kyoko is that it seems like he sort of allows it because he's sort of desperate for affection. Um, that's kind of the way, that's kind of what I took from it. Mm -hmm. um, the reason I'm a little conflicted about it, though, upon, you know, uh, introspection here is, like, is Goto being like I don't think he's being idealized here but my concern is that Goto is going to end up like being played off as a good guy here in the end when you know this was a guy who sort of beat up Ray in the middle of an alley just because Ray dared to like kind of speak on like you know speak from a moral high ground almost mm -hmm. And that's kind of my concern here. That, you know, like, that, you know, his kind of treatment of Kyoko has not exactly been very, you know, it's not exactly, it's like, this has clearly never been, like, a positive relationship for the two of them. Yeah, it's, it is a little awkward because you don't know who, how seriously to take him being the good guy. I think, I mean... It might be worthwhile if they don't resolve it. I mean, because Ray has this period where he's sitting in that shogi hall with Goto, and he can't resolve the dichotomy himself. He's like, this is someone who makes my sister cry all the time, but he's also right. someone who is protecting my mentor's honor. 
Um, and I think I might like... I don't think the show will go this direction, but I think I might like it best if they leave Goto unresolved. Like, yes, he's violent. Yes, he's mean. Yes, he's kind of emotionally manipulative with Kyoko and sort of stringing her along. Um, but also he's these other things, you know, right. instead of forcing him to be just the bad guy and just the good guy. <clears throat> right, exactly. And that was kind of my takeaway from it, almost. Like, I, I think sometimes it can be lost in narrative, the whole idea that a bad person can actually end up doing good things just at times. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think what this episode sort of highlighted is that, at least to me, was that Goto is, like, he's not actually a good person, but you can kind of see why he can try and justify to himself why he's a good person. Yeah. Because he has this whole situation with his, uh, you know, coma-ridden wife. You know, you can kind of see, like, okay, so that's why he's sort of stringing Kyoko along, you know. As much as he knows that this is probably a wrong thing he's doing, he just, you know concern it he just needs to feel you know he needs to feel affection from somebody and Mm -hmm. it's not right like clearly he's in the wrong here he's clearly like kind of messed up this poor girl to an extent you know by making her like by sort of allowing her to like stalk him so much you know to kind of you know to kind of allow her you know you can kind of like this episode does kind of show how kyoko has been you know she's clearly been forcing herself upon him as well but you know he should have never really let her in in the first place, is, right. what, it, I, is what I kind of feel like. <clears throat> but, you know, it, it kind of does highlight how somebody can think they're a good person when they're not actually doing the right thing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, because he can still say, oh, well, I still visit my wife every night. Um, I'm still, like, faithful. To, like, you know, it's not really clear the extent of his relationship with Kyoko, you know, it might be like one of those things where he just likes having her around, but right. you know, he's a funny, I don't know if that's naive of me to say, but it's not, to me, it's not clear from the show exactly the nature of their relationship. Um, right. Like, I, I think we've been viewing a lot of their relationship through the eyes of Rafe throughout this entire series. And, you know, the general assumption is yes, they've probably encountered like, you know, it's like, oh, you know, he's clearly, like, using and then abusing her, basically. You know, he's right. just dumping her. Like, you know, he's just, you know, this is just a quick fling for him while he goes home to his wife and sort of lives out, like, you know, as, like, Mr. Macho Man and, or, you know, kind of, like, the, yeah, the it's, talk And of it's the not clear that Ray has any understanding of, well, I, I don't know if it was made clear if Ray understands his wife's situation. Right, and that's, and exactly, well, because, exactly, like, I don't think Ray really knows that his wife is actually, like, in a coma. I, my, because, especially from the way he was talking to Goto in that flashback we saw there, or he, you know, he was just under the assumption of, like, how can you do this to your own family? Like, it's like, well, his family literally doesn't really exist right now. Like, his wife doesn't know, and... We don't even know how long his wife has been in the coma. So, I don't know. It's really kind of a tricky... But what I like about it as well is that regardless if the show wants to show if Goto is right or not, it does also sort of highlight Ray's own naivete. 
just on the basis of, you know, he thinks he can just, like, shout some sort of, you know, these sort of big, powerful words at Godo, you know. It's like, oh, you know, it's like, how can you affect your family like that? You know, he can dress up anything he wants to. Fact of the matter is, he doesn't really know what's going on there. And he, like, Godo is clearly kind of a brute. Uh, and it's gonna get, like, doing that sort of thing, you know, kind of living this sort of, you know, trying to live this sort of idealized life or kind of stick to these sort of ideals... You know, it, it's not always going to work. Yeah. Basically, know. like, really, what did, like, shouting at Goto like that accomplish, essentially? It got him beat up and thrown into the gutter, essentially. I don't know. It's an interesting tack. I, I, I'm i not sure whether they'll be able to focus on Goto. Um, right. It, it seems like they're setting up that he's going to be the new focus for a while and we're going to understand where Goto came from, which I'm okay with. I I think it would be interesting if they don't try to justify him, but they do try to explain him, you know, because there's a difference. Right. Yeah, definitely. And I totally agree with that because I don't want, what I don't want them to do is say, is for them to say Goto was right in the end. What I do want them to say is that Ray needs to learn how to deal with the situation if he really wants to save Kyoko from this. Yeah. Cool. Uh, do you want to tell me about uh, another show that, uh, well, we both watched it, uh, <laughs> called Welcome to the Ballroom? Yeah, alright, I'll talk about it. Okay, so uh, at, so this episode starts off in the Grand Prix. Uh, Tadara and Kyoko uh, discover that uh, Gaju, Mako, Shizuku, and... Uh, Kyoto are actually not competing this year, despite the fact that they were told that they were going to compete. Uh, they actually decided to attend a competition over in Europe, so uh, Tadara almost kind of breaks down right there in the middle of the dance floor, but instead he sort of pulls himself together and he sort of enters in this sort of dancing trance, uh, which ends up getting him full passing marks, but he sort of passes out and uh, doesn't even, he kind of goes into this sort of weird little. Z- like, he kind of goes into his own little world, and he actually misses the second round, so they are forced to pull out. Uh, after that, uh, Tadara and Shinatsu end up going back to uh, Marissa to apologize. Uh, she sends them on a ca- training camp over in the summer, over at her uh, summer house, and uh, Hyodo and... Kyoto, Gaju, and all of them are actually staying at her summer house for this training camp as well. Uh, Tadara is informed by Marissa that they, he, she wants, uh, Chinatsu and Tadara to enter an A-level, uh, tournament, even though the fact that they're only at D-level, she says that they can probably compete at such a high level at this point just because they were able to get full marks on it at the Grand Prix. Uh, the episode ends, though, with Chinatsu and Tadara having a gigantic fight about Tadara's leading. Yeah. Yeah. So, honestly, I think this episode was generally par for the course for Welcome to the Ballroom. I I thought it was probably one of the better episodes it's had. Its major problem is that it was coming off of last week, and I have not still not forgiven it for last week. Yeah, it was funny to listen to <coughs> your discussion of that episode before having watched it. Right. Um, of course, it affected how how I watched the show. I think 
when I was listening to you, I couldn't believe how absurd it sounded, your description right. of episode 15. And then it was exactly that absurd and underdeveloped in <laughs> real life. Like, you know, you ex- it's not like you cut stuff out. There was just so little to the character of Vasily, and right. he was treated as such an unbelievable predatory stereotype that you know there was nothing there was no other way to interpret it it's not like you were taking it too far it was all on the surface (laughs) right Um, and so then yeah going into this episode obviously i was worried that this was just going to be a thing it wasn't quite as legitimately awful as last week but it still maintained i'm really not sure what this show is trying to say about the nature of leading and right because they have this whole it it seems like we're not really talking about dance moves or dance abilities we're just talking about like the concept of being in charge of another person right and that's really kind of the uncomfortable part about the show is that it's pretty much making they're really not hiding that aspect of the series if that was something that they wanted to hide. Like, this is clearly a metaphor relationship, and literally what it feels like it's saying is that the man kind of needs to take control of the woman, and, uh, you know, kind of, you know, you you have to be the one who's guiding the woman here, essentially. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, Chinatsu is just being so unreasonable because she just won't talk to Tadara about this because, but, and and it's partially, but it's, it's constantly falling back on this notion that Tadara needs to be the man and get this information out of Chinatsu, you know. They have to resolve this with Tadara finally perfecting his quote-unquote lead, uh, you know, because the whole idea is that he has to take charge. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he switches studios just so that he can be around people who can teach him how to take charge better. Like, he abandons his friends and goes to a new place uh, with people he doesn't get along with because, well, they know how to lead. Right. And it's like, you know, the way that the series has been pushing it, it does seem like... Like, Kugamiya is clearly portrayed as sort of being, like, a pretty clear villain to me. Well, yeah, if only by his facial expressions, right? Right, but at the same time, you know, they keep, like, there is this sort of implication that, you know, what he's doing is wrong. But there is this sort of tacit acknowledgement, he's got the right idea, he's just sort of a jerk about it. Exactly, no one's willing to undermine the idea that the male partner should be dominant. Right, and that's what's kind of disconcerting about the series. And it's like, I understand that's what, you know, that is kind of how the sport of ballroom dancing does work. You know, it is based on very traditional gender roles. Um, But the problem is that the series isn't really, like, it doesn't seem to really have much of a problem with it, or just sort of, well, it... It doesn't have anything to say. Right. Basically, it's just like, okay, well, this is how it is. Like, this is the hero you're supposed to root for. You're supposed to want him to be able to take the charge. And I don't really want Tatara to do that. Yeah, exactly. It's like, hey, you know a great way to be healthy in a relationship? Um, 
you should go against your own inclinations, try to be someone that you aren't, and then force it on someone else that's not compatible with it. Yeah, basically. And I don't know, like, I kind of like the addition of Chinatsu because she added a new dynamic at first, but mm-hmm. now it's just getting really uncomfortable with the way that they're kind of treating her as, like, a wild mare almost. Yeah. I, I know. It, it feels it, like the taming of the shrew. You know, yeah, there's, there's this wild woman who's too independent and he, the, the man has to learn a way to bend her to his will. And this is something to be admired. Right. And, and that's kind of the problem. I don't have a problem with them actually using ballroom dancing as this sort of metaphor. But at the same time, why are you making this metaphor in the first place? Yeah. And, that, and that's the other thing. If they're the main characters... And right. the the point, I don't know. It seems strange for the, the the focus of the main characters to be learning how to be the same as everyone else because you're too different. You know, what kind of right. anime is teaching the lesson of like, you know what you should be more like? Everyone <laughs> else. Um, it's sort of like, well, why am I watching this show? You get enough messaging like that in the world. Like, who needs this message? Right. And maybe but, it'll undermine it in, like, episode 20, but you can't taking, have 20 episodes of one message and then really have it be believable to change tack at the right, end. Right, exactly. Like, you can't just have this... Like, you can't have this message... Like, you can't wait that long to sort of undermine your own message. Um, Like, you kind of need... To, like, if you're going to do that, you need to do it, like, around episode two or three. Like, I- I'm willing to invest in one episode where it is sort of setting up this world. And then you come in and undermine it. Like, I understand sometimes you got to play the long game there. That is way too long, though. Yeah, 16 episodes. At this point, it's not... It- it's just... It's the message of the show. Right. Um, I don't know. We'll We'll see. But, uh, unfortunately, we'll see. Uh, You know what else we saw, unfortunately? Uh, Two Car, episode three. Yeah, so let me go ahead and talk about that. So this was episode three. Uh, This episode was largely about uh, Chiyoki and Misaki's relationship. What we find out in this episode is that uh, Chiyuki used to have a good friend that she used to race with, However, due to her own carelessness, she got injured and she realized afterwards how much people sort of treated her like sort of as somebody to be sucked up to rather than as an actual friend. However, Misaki was the first person to ever not show like to ever show her that she thought of her as more than just a uh, suck up because she went out of her way to wash a washcloth, wash her wash her handkerchief. Uh <laughs> Also, Yuri and Megumi are around, apparently giving them advice. End of the episode ends with the two girls making up and saying that they're best friends. Yeah. So, Matt, what purpose did Yuri and Megumi have in this episode? Like, Uh, I'm legitimately confused about that. I think... My best guess is that they're there to, like, somehow learn a lesson. Like, you're supposed to see some correlation between these two pairs where, you know, Yuri and Megumi have this ongoing feud and, you know, Chiyuki and Misaki were able to resolve it through honesty. 
Um, but that doesn't totally hold up because Yuri and Megumi are totally honest with each other, and that's why they don't like each other. Right. So it's a long way of saying I don't know because <laughs> legitimately the main characters of the show were not the main characters of this episode. And right. And I kind of have that... a feeling that's how it's going to be moving forward. That each one or two episodes is going to focus on explaining the backstory of one of these pairs. I mean, look, we spent all this time with Chiyuki and Masaki, who I still don't really understand. Right. Uh, but I am pretty sure we're never going to get stories told from their perspective again because their arc is over. Yeah, pretty much. Like, they had a fight. They realized why they like each other. That's it. Like, where else is there to go from there? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, there is nowhere else. And the series has no real reason to go on with them because we have a bunch of other racers that we can focus on now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yet, <clears throat> and yet, the show is still unwilling to explain what the heck is going on. Yeah, kind <laughs> of. Like, I still don't understand what this race was here today. Yeah, I mean, I, I mentioned this, and we've been mentioning this for weeks. Is this... The first race of a series? Is it the finale of a bunch of other races? These girls all seem to know each other and have a personal relationship, but when have they met before? And in what capacity have they met before? Uh, it, none of that has been cleared up, and we're a quarter of the way through the show. And we, we don't even know the timeline of events. I don't know whether the first episode was showing the events that are going to take place at the end of this race or if they're two separate races that happen in the same place with the same people because i've gotten signs of both right and i mean you can argue like i'm sure they have probably said that somewhere in these episodes or they have implied it somehow yeah but like this should not be so much of a question it seems like the show doesn't really care yeah it really doesn't because it wants to focus on the girls like, that's literally all the show is, is that they just want to show girls having relationships one, with one another. Like, I mean, and then, you know, you got some motorbike racing in between. Like, I mean, that's that, yeah. that's pretty much the show, as far as I'm concerned. And some butt shots. like And uh, copious amounts of butt shots. Yeah. Um, and it's so funny, too, because it's like, I, I was trying to figure out how to put this into words or how to, like, compare this. This show... It feels like the last half of the second season of Encouragement of Climb to me. Um, in the sense that it like it kind of feels like we are already at a point where we have run out of plot so that the series is starting to introduce new characters so that they can come up with new like conflicts. The only problem was uh, Encouragement of Climb had been going on for a while at this point. We are on the third episode of this show and it is already run, already run out of plot. Yeah, so they like, just have random conflicts like, oh no, Chiyuki and Misaki aren't getting along. I bet it's because they haven't told each other that they're friends. Yeah, like, that's how, it. Is this, <laughs> how has this never been a conversation that they had? Yeah. Like, honestly, like, watching this episode, I would say this is probably the best episode we've had thus far just because it did have a very clear, like, set of narrative <laughs> beats. Yeah, what an amazingly low bar to get <laughs> Kind of. Like, at the very least, I understand what the story of these two girls is. I actually kind of think Chiyuki's story is a little interesting that she was kind of living... Like, she had kind of accepted this sort of, like, 
the sort of high, this sort of superficial like high class like sort of lifestyle and you know the fact that she actually injured somebody that was close to her and nobody and basically everybody was making excuses for her I kind of appreciated that that kind of got to her a little bit and that's why she suddenly started like leaning towards Misaki it's still like but again it's like I have no reason to care about any of these people exactly. like and we know that the show doesn't care enough to ever make it relevant again Right, I, I'm sure we will get some sort of line down the line, like, some sort of, like, conversation between the two of them, just as, like, an off, like, totally off the claw, off the cuff, where they're like, hey, we're friends again, like, hey, you're rich, richer than me, but you know what, like, we're still friends, and that'll be, that'll be our narrative finale to them, like, we'll, we'll occasionally get references to the two of them being, still being friends, and that's what we got out of this episode. We have no real plot here, essentially. Outside of the... Like, our sole plot is these two girls... Is Yuri and Megumi racing to go see their teacher. Like, that. that's it. And beyond that, none of that, nothing else is relevant. Because I don't understand what they need to do mm-hmm. in order to do that. Yeah, I mean, I feel like they it was said... They have to win the tournament. Yeah, they have to win the thing and i'm not sure if the thing is a tournament that they're doing later or if it's just this race or what right you know if it mattered to the show it would have said it more than once but it doesn't matter to the show so i guess it doesn't matter to us Um, (laughs) and i'm ready to move on to uh big wind up season two episode one um hey all right yeah exactly here we are back again uh so it picks up right where season one ended even though it was separated by several years so it uh the night after their last game against tose rio who is the backup catcher for tose goes home his older brother makes fun of him and calls him a loser turns out his older brother is the coach of bijo high school um who is uh ahead of them in the uh tournament um a number of freshmen want to uh join the cheerleading squad so there's a lot more attention that's coming on to Nishiura's baseball team um and then Rio uh his older brother Roka uh the coach for Bijo meets up um with the captain from Tosei whose name is Kazuki yep. sorry about that I had to double check <laughs> uh and they discuss basically how Nishiura managed to win the game about half of this is used as uh, just a catch-up for the audience because it had been several years since the original came out. So it's trying to remind them of exactly how the last game went, showing them the big plays, um, and also showing what makes Mahashi unique as a pitcher. Um, right. But uh, they, they end up with uh, the revelation of the new batting order and the fact that uh, Tajima is a little bit injured, so he's going to be playing at first base and hitting leadoff from now on. Right. Um, so, honestly, I did kind of appreciate this episode in the sense that even though it's only been, like, two weeks since I last uh, saw it, I did forget that Tajima had injured himself. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I did, like, I had already forgotten about a couple of these characters, like, mainly the characters that we saw from Tose, mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, especially, like, Kazuki, because, like, I didn't even... Because it's like, you saw him pretty much, into, like, almost exclusively with his, uh... With his, uh... Catching... Like, with his catching gear on, essentially. So, I didn't even realize, like, who that was at first. Mm-hmm. So, it, it was good to have that it this episode did also kind of highlight how nishiura is getting taken more seriously now Mm -hmm. considering the fact that uh biju is literally going out of their way to get like information on them yeah um i did kind of think it was interesting that uh like i honestly didn't even realize that the, the guy that uh that roka wasn't even like a student yeah, it was I, a little, it was a little was, confusing at first, yeah. Right, well, because he kind of looks about roughly all their age. He seems like he's a very young Well, coach. he is, so, I mean, because they identified that he was a senior um, when Kazuki was a freshman, so that would mean that he's only 20 years old. Right. Right, and I mean, that makes sense. So, so as far as I could understand, and it wasn't completely spelled out, uh... It sounds like Bijo is one of those schools that has a high school connected with a university. Yeah, um, yeah. So, Roka is a student at the university, and as part of that, he's coaching the high school team. Right. Yeah, they had alluded that to that a couple of times throughout the episode by talking about how, uh, you know, his younger brother needs to learn that if he wants to go to Bijo, he's going to need to... Uh, actually start studying for it right. um yeah there wasn't really a whole lot else as you kind of mentioned it was largely just sort of a catch-up episode it was kind of just meant to be a reintroduction to the characters and their relationships um and kind of just sort of a reminder of all who all the main players were for the team um even abe didn't really get i was kind of surprised actually because abe was pretty much as far as i was concerned he was pretty much like the other main character next to mihashi he did not get a little lot of screen time yeah no he didn't do like he kind of showed up briefly just to ask uh the team manager if you know she could make it uh mihashi just a couple extra like rice balls but beyond pretty exciting stuff (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it is interesting though to see that hana uh, Hanai is gonna end up being the uh, the ke- the pickup or the cleanup. Yeah, the cleanup hitter. There we go. <laughs> um, just because now he's sort of taken on the role of sort of substituting for Tajima, like you know what he always wanted to do. But again, that's kind of more set up for the next episodes. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. This is all new territory for both of us. Uh, we don't know what's gonna happen next, which is nice, even though yeah. we thought we knew what happened next in the first season and we realized we'd just forgotten most of it (laughs) (laughs) true enough all right well matt thanks for chatting with me uh and i will see you next week always a pleasure later our logo design is by james ratcliffe the theme music is fly high by burnout syndromes covered and performed by luke bartka you can follow Koshiencast on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, and our email is koshiencast at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll be back next week with the best and worst from the world of sports anime, and until then, keep training. <laughs>